1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93
2: WIBC. So
3: let's rock it! Man Hammer, what it must have been like, what an incredible, terrifying situation for a a friend of ours uh, who is a uh, radio personality and a comedian uh, involved in a shooting over the weekend. We'll get to that here in just a second. My name is Nigel. The uh, Monday crime update. Nine
4: people shot, five stabbed, one killed in weekend violence. And as we say quite often, and when we had the FOP president Rick Snyder on our show, he's been saying it for a while it's coming to a neighborhood near you. So on Friday, you know, we were busy doing Radiothon last week, and it's a little bit of a different show when we do Radiothon. It's mainly about fundraising. We didn't have a chance to get into what was going on in Brownsburg in the wee hours of the morning. There were some shootings going on in Brownsburg. Yeah, And I'm telling you, just because you live in a area that's adjacent to Indianapolis, you have to pay attention to what's happening here because it's spreading. It's like a wildfire. This thing is spreading. So if you add up all the people shot and or stabbed, that's 14. 14 people shot or stabbed with a homicide. And there was also a man found dead with unknown trauma. Unknown trauma trauma hmm. so we don't know the cause of death but I don't claim to be a coroner here Nige but trauma is never good and by the way these are just the reports of people that were directly affected human
3: beings shot stabbed a homicide we don't include the reports of people that were shot at and not hit we're about to talk about one here in just a second but you know i could only imagine dozens of reports of of people shot at over the weekend Uh,
4: true story my son my oldest son knows somebody who was hit with a stray bullet recently you're kidding in the foot no gonna be okay still uh but still i mean this is a crazy crazy time right now but Indianapolis voters said we like what's going on 60 plus percent said we like the direction the city's going under Ryan Mears as the prosecutor so what if a few felons get out we'll just slap an ankle monitor on them things are going to be fine even though the last three years have been record years for the city of Indianapolis it's going to be fine don't worry about anything this year will be different I'm sure so let's get into the high profile example here Nige
3: what's going on well, police are investigating uh, uh, multiple shots fired at our friend Ron Sexton. I mean, you call him our friend; I mean, he's a definitely acquaintance. Uh, used to be a co-worker of mine. He's been on he's, our podcast
4: before, before we had yeah, the radio program. I- I- incredibly
3: brilliant comedic mind, and he is Donnie Baker, who is I swear um, to God. Yeah. Uh, so he, uh, he's you know was on the Bob and Tom show. A sta- That character is a staple on that show. But he also goes to tours around the country. It's not just locally here in indianapolis he's a well-known comedian uh, using that persona donnie baker and he's all over the place and uh, i i i knew i i knew ron when we were both working on fall creek road there in my early 20s i was doing nights at x103 he was down the hall doing nights at uh, the sports talk station wnde um, and he's and, a big baseball guy, too. i yeah, chatted with got, him
4: about baseball coaching and things like that.
3: So it was around 2 a.m. Sunday, man, in the Castleton area, and he was driving his rental car. Somebody pulled up alongside him and unloaded nine shots in the car, shattered the window. He sped through the uh, stop signs, and uh IMPD showed up. And really, the... <sighs> I don't know which is better not knowing who did it if this is just a random thing or he this this article makes it sound like he he was aware of this person i don't know if it's a man or a woman and it, it sounds like he thinks he was targeted so i i couldn't imagine you know thoughts with uh, ron and his family and um and i hope they find the guy again the articles i've read makes it seem like he thinks this was targeted. He knows who it was. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. But I I can imagine. I'd be terrified right now, especially if it was targeted. Right.
4: And his safety is the most important thing. His safety, well-being is the most important thing. But here's the thing about Ron Sexton. He's so successful with his comedy career with that character, Donnie Baker, that when the news story gets posted on social media sites, everybody has a comment about, well, I bet it was somebody related to Angel. And if you know his comedy <laughs> oh, no. act, that makes sense.
2: No, I mean, it's I kind of a that. backhanded
4: compliment. He's so successful with that character that when something serious happens, it's almost like Andy Kaufman. People think it's kind of an excuse to pile on. Well, and it just shows you could happen to anybody, anywhere.
3: At any time. Now, I realize, again, the article makes it sound like he may have been targeted by somebody
4: he knew. But still, that didn't make me feel any better. It certainly didn't no. make him feel any better. No. And uh, this was the Castleton area. This wasn't, you know, late at night on the canal. This wasn't downtown on Monument Circle. The two stories we've talked about so far, Nige, have been Brownsburg and Castleton. Again, this stuff spreads. I
3: love the, uh, the lineage of his career, the timeline of, again, you know, doing... <laughs> Nights on the AM sports talk station while I was down the hall at X one hundred three playing music to getting on with B and T and developing that character and turning it into his own persona that he takes on tour across the country. It's just such a great success story, and he is brilliant. I mean, when we talked to him as Ron Sexton during that podcast, we had that audio somewhere. You just you could just tell it's he's he's really smart and there's something something a little different about him
4: and he's you a know? down-to-earth he is. dude man he is. he's a dad he's a franklin he's... central guy yeah. i'm a beach grove guy so you know we got a lot in common man and uh wish him nothing but the best oh, and hope everything clears up in for the him.
3: report i'm just reading this the report the police report states that the suspect was identified but a name is not listed Okay. So it sounds like, again, he knows who this person is and the police know about it. Hopefully they make an arrest sooner than later because if this thing was targeted, um, like the article says, then that's, you know, the potential for something else to happen uh, could come about. I hope not. And I hope they get this guy uh, as soon as possible. So, uh, you know, our thoughts to Ron and his his family and uh i I hope everything's gonna be okay but i couldn't i don't think i could function for a few weeks after being a targeted attack and, and multiple shots launched into my rental car with an attempt on my life i just i couldn't do it i'm i'm projecting i don't i have no idea how he i'm sure i'm sure it's an emotional thing for him and i i couldn't function for the next couple of weeks.
4: Well, imagine living in Marion County. Yeah. Let's just say that oh, the police do find who this is and they arrest them and bring them to justice. How confident are you that this person's going to stay locked up behind bars? <laughs> if you're much. that much of a lunatic to fire nine shots into a car, do you think having an ankle monitor slapped on you is going to be some sort of hindrance when you get back out in society? Well, hope. Let's hope somebody
3: uses some common sense. And, and keeps if they keep if they find this person keep
4: them behind bars at no bail they tried to kill somebody right nine shots this wasn't like it was a warning shot where no. you fired into the tire or you fired into the air yeah whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. good point they broke out the glass they shot through the doors uh there are some photos that one of the news outlets has that shows the car and it's lit up and you listen to what he told some of our news gathering partners like the glass was going in his ear he basically had to floor it and drive to safety and then call the police so definitely hat tip to the uh, authorities and nothing but the best for our good friend ron sexton always been good to you and i yes you don't want to
5: say to me i'm gonna say to myself
4: listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show
2: on 93 WIBC.
3: Oh, completely humbled by Hammer and Nigel fans uh, showing up to the Radiothon, 28th anniversary Radiothon for the uh, Salvation Army Sullivan's Hardware on Friday, our live broadcast there. We were broadcasting 6 a.m., Uh, Friday to basically 6 p.m. on Saturday. Our show was on from 3 to 7, raised a bunch of money, and it's another record hammer, $433,000. Yes, sir. Hoosiers uh, contributing and uh, helping out to give kids an awesome Christmas This season. That's a big number, man. That was awesome.
4: That's $7,000 more than the record we set last year. And again, all of this money stays right here in Central Indy. So if you're upset with something that the Salvation Army has put on their website or some woke moron has said in the past, understand this. That money that we just raised People like that aren't touching it. It's going directly to the shelters here in Indianapolis. It's going to feed people. It's going to give them shelter. It's getting women away from domestic abuse. It's giving kids gifts for Christmas. So thank you again to the best listeners in all of Indy. And since we're speaking of listeners, shout out to all of the Hammer and Nigel fans that came out to Casino Night at St. Barnabas on Saturday night. St. Barnabas is a school on the South Side, and it's a Catholic school, so they can do all the fun stuff. They can gamble, and they can drink. So who do you think they're going to hire to be their DJ for an event like that? This guy. And uh, the Hammer and Nigel folks came up, oh, we love your show. and I'm taking pictures. We're doing videos. So shout out to everybody that showed up there. Well, how
3: about the lady that dropped off uh, those, those presents for us, a couple of books
4: for us um, yes print electric what what was the uh it was the uh kyle petty book but it was autographed by kyle and richard petty yeah
3: yeah. and she wrote us each individual you know a very nice uh christmas card saying they love the show they get them through that we get them through the day uh they said they were friends with the pettys and they gave us personally uh, engraved or, or autographed books by Kyle's You know, it's Kyle Petty's uh, autobiography And it's right. also signed by And it says the WIBC Radio Kyle Petty and Richard Petty Was the nicest Coolest thing, and uh the greeting card explaining why she likes us and and how big of fans they are. I just I wasn't expecting that. Yes, at all. She did not have to do. That. I remember her. We weren't able to talk to her because I think we we're on the air. But she just kind of. I remember her sitting then setting those bags next down to us. I mean that made me like you know. I didn't tear up, but I got choked up a little just thinking, wow, you did not have to do that. That was
4: awesome. And they made a big donation as well. Did they they really? kicked in some money okay. when they were there. So, again, thank you to uh, Prit Electric. All of this talk of goodwill, Nige, has kind of got me in the holiday spirit. And I think the one thing that I need to really get me over the top on feeling like it's Christmas time is a holiday memory from oh. the first lady of WIBC, the lovely Terry Stacy. Holiday Memories with Terry Stacy.
0: Fruitcake. Sucks. Nothing says, happy birthday, Jesus, like receiving the freaking magical gift of fruitcake.
2: And this has been Holiday Memories with Terry Stacy.
3: A very angry and adamant Terry Stacy doesn't like fruitcake. She makes a great point, though. She makes a good
4: point. Have you ever had fruitcake? I don't know that I've even ever had it. It's so dry. Like, if you think a biscuit from Popeye's will dry your mouth, mouth out, <laughs> try some fruitcake. One, you don't know how old it is, because I think there's only like two or three in existence, and everybody passes it on to everybody else, uh, but it's super dry. Now, on the subject of gifts, yeah, let's get to what you got over the weekend night.
3: Yeah, uh, did some sort of uh, gag gift exchange with the Christmas party I was at in Carmel on, on Saturday, thanks to a... a, a Uh, the cliffords for uh hosting it was awesome so much fun and i received here as you can tell now (laughs) and it's
4: on the youtube camera and i
3: tweeted some stuff out yesterday i tweeted another picture out today (laughs) people of walmart adult coloring book yes sir familiar with you know the people of walmart website people it's of walmart.com people of walmart.com or i think it's a twitter handle as well people take interesting pictures of some of the customers that uh, <laughs> that go into walmart and um you can uh i mean it's a coloring book it's a
4: literal based off of real it's pictures a,
3: based off of real pictures in fact i put one side by side here uh <laughs> look at this one
4: oh, no. I, I put one side oh. by side on
3: twitter um i took a but this is a kind of, we should have Matt Bear color this. Oh, we we've got to find see, some crayons. Let's see if Matt Bear would like.
4: I know the digital staff probably has crayons back there. They got Play Doh, <laughs> stupid little bowling chairs. I'm sure they've probably got some crayons laying around. Uh,
3: but it was uh, a great party, and uh, that, this is my favorite gift. I, I tweeted out some more side by side pictures of the coloring book next to the real picture.
4: Yes. Um, Let <laughs> me take a look here on Twitter to see which yeah, ones you have put one.
3: up here. It was just one. I could I, I only hit time for one there.
4: Let me see. The uh, Chewbacca lady. (laughs) 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 This is on Twitter at Hammer and Nigel. There's also the lovely couple that's on one of the scooters. Yes. You've got a uh, mom who's a little large, uh, some kids. They're all sharing a scooter. They're riding
3: on the scooter throughout Walmart. She's in the chair, and they're on the floor. Uh, They're on the uh, floor of the
4: scooter. And these are all real pictures that have been turned into uh, pages
3: you can color. I can't find that one. I've been looking for that one, so it's been fun going through this and trying to find the The one
4: I know I've seen is, I think there's a woman at the ATM with the um, pants ripped out at the butt crack. I know I've seen that photo (laughs) somewhere. So, again, as a reward for the folks tuning in, on our YouTube right now. I want you to find your favorite picture in that book, Nige. All right and I want you to put it up to the camera here. All right, he's putting it up <laughs> That's that's disturbing because it's a real it's
3: like, picture. It's like a grown adult woman in a diaper with a pacifier. I can't
4: it's like looking into the future of Matt Bear, isn't it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can find that real picture.
4: All right. We'll try to put some more up on uh, Twitter throughout the show, at Hammer and Nigel. Don't go anywhere. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show.
6: It's Monday Gun Day with the Gun Guy.
2: Just watch out for the guns.
1: Get you.
6: Guy Rilford. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel show. Ninety three WIBC. My name
3: is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here, the Gun Guy. Guy Rilford, Second Amendment Attorney, Licensed Firearms Instructor, and hosts of the Gun Guy Show right here on ninety-three WIBC. Joining us. Guy, how are you?
6: Man, I'm great and thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, eighty four oh one East Highway thirty six. A uh, great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out Uh, My buddy's at the fort at FortLibertyFirearms.com. So there was a
4: time where we had news about Delphi coming out seemingly every single day. But then a gag order was put in place. This happened shortly after the state superintendent of police joined us on this program, uh, Superintendent Carter. And now nobody is illegally allowed to do interviews, talk about this case in public, what does that mean from a lawyer's perspective? Are we not going to get any information moving forward?
6: Well, not necessarily, but I, I, I fully understand what the court uh, was dealing with there and, and the action that they took, because first of all, the, the court has control over the attorneys that are participating in the litigation before the court, right? So let's talk about the lawyers first. The, the lawyers have an ethical responsibility to follow what we call the rules of professional conduct. Uh, here in Indiana, and there's a general rule of professional conduct that says, basically, if you're litigating, it, litigating a case, you're not supposed to speak about it publicly. But then there's a series of exceptions to that, one of which is, big one is, if it's a matter of public record. So okay so you know somebody submitted an affidavit, you know somebody's testified, you know whatever it is, you can talk about that. Another thing is you can talk about the result of a proceeding. So you say, "Oh, well, we filed this motion to suppress this evidence and the judge ruled this way or that way." You can talk about that as well. The one that that I think set this judge off and it was pretty predictable as you saw it unfold is that the defense team was dealing with um the the release of the probable cause affidavit they were dealing with statements made publicly by the prosecutor's office down there that uh, they were dealing with uh statements that the pol- that the, the police had had made including- it was a really
4: one-sided conversation
6: it, it- very arguably was a very one-sided conversation. So the defense team came out and they issued a, their own press release and they said, normally we wouldn't talk about this in public. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. right? But they said, normally we wouldn't talk about a pending case like this. However, we think, due to a bunch of comments made by the other side, we think we're ethically allowed to make the following statement. And then they came out and they, they kind of gutted you know in in their minds the 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 prosecution's case they said look the the science on the the tool marking uh, analysis on the shell casing or actually the full cartridge they found at the scene that's anything but settled settled science we're going to dispute that we're going to refute that that ever came out I want to talk to you about, more about that in a second I mean too. they they kind of went down through the prosecution's case that had been released and they and they refuted it they they presented their side of the story and they said normally we wouldn't do this, but we think we're allowed to do this. And that's because there's another exception in the rules of professional conduct for attorneys that says, if the other side has made such comments that your case for your client is now prejudiced, you can come out and make public statements and respond and and sort of you know, restore equilibrium, for lack of a better term. And so that that's what they were saying. They were saying, normally we wouldn't come out, this is the, the defense team, normally we wouldn't come out and make a statement like this, but the other side's been talking a bunch, so we feel compelled to talk. The, I guarantee you, the judge saw that she and helped. said, okay, time out. <laughs> Everybody shut the hell up. <laughs> right, 100%. And, that, and that's why we got the gag order. I guarantee you that's why we got it. was. And, and, and I understand why the defense team did that. And I'm not disagreeing that they were ethically allowed to do that because the other side had been talking about a whole bunch. And again, I'm maybe looking at this as a defense lawyer, um, but that's why it happened the way it happened. What that, did you
3: think of um, the, you know, Hammer and I had this story late last week about the Innocence Project? Yeah. And, you know, they work to free innocent, prevent wrongful convictions. Things like that. Uh, there was a big headline. Uh, they think the linking of Richard Allen's gun to the Delphi crime scene is not science in terms of the ballistics that was used. There's a cartridge found right. in between yeah, exactly. the bodies. And thanks for saying cartridge, not yeah, bullet. I knew. You're I knew my man. That, we that, didn't but, want but, your head to spin <laughs> all the way yeah, around, guy. <laughs> but, man, they, you know, I would think a, a, a cartridge found at the scene linking uh, with the ballistics to Richard Allen's gun uh, is a, would be, you know, laugh, for lack of a better word, a smoking gun in the case. Well, yeah, but and, you but, said
6: ballistics. What is that? That's actually, right. it's not an analysis of a bullet having gone down the barrel of a gun and been engraved essentially by that rifling process. This is a, a full cartridge that was never fired yeah. out of any gun. And they said, well, we matched through basically tool mark analysis. We, we marked that, the markings on the rear of that cartridge, we marked to the extractor that was in his gun, Richard Allen's gun that issue. And you go, you guys and I talked about this. Remember this? We 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 did a, a Thursday afternoon interview, I believe, and I said, look, you're gonna have a prosecutor expert coming in there and say, oh yeah, this is absolute science. We this is a, as definitive as fingerprints or DNA. That this cartridge came out of this guy's gun. And you're gonna have defense experts that are going to come on and say, Absolutely not. This is not definitive. This is nowhere close to fingerprints or DNA. The, you cannot say, you know, to any reasonable degree of scientific certainty, which is a term we use in the courtroom lot that this cartridge came out of this gun you could very much have a battle of experts that what you you and i got you you guys and i talked about that before this ever unfolded that's all the innocence project statement said is exactly what we expected you're going to see two different sides to that scientific argument it's
4: monday gun day with the gun guy guy relfer joining us here on the hammer and nigel show all right so this may sound like a question from a dumb guy but keep in mind it's a question from a dumb guy, okay? <laughs> if you wanted to buy somebody a gun as a Christmas gift, what is the process? Is there special
6: hoops you have to jump through to make that happen? Is it d-
3: d- depending on which kind of gun it is.
6: Oh, well, from- yeah, sure. I mean, you know, if you want to buy someone an M1 Abrams tank that's that's different? right? Slightly. Just for
4: argument's sake, let's say nobody's buying a tank okay. this <laughs> it's holiday tank. season. All right. yeah. okay. All let's right. say somebody okay. just wants to... Like a rifle. Right. Let's say I have a daughter. Now, I don't have a daughter, but let's say that I have a daughter that
6: just moved out on her own. Okay, well, I have a daughter. Okay, she's
4: and, 21, and,
6: 22. And I have bought her a gun for Christmas. Okay, so take me through that. See, and by the way, I, I'm going to absolutely refute the premise to your question, which is either that you're a dumb guy or that it was a dumb question. Because <laughs> this is a fabulous question. And it's a very important one this time of year. And it's one that I actually talk about specifically in my gun law class that I teach. And uh, and that is, look, when you go in to buy a gun, and you fill out, this is in a gun store, and you fill out the, the ATF form that you have to fill out, it's called a 4473, and you fill that out, it says, it, one of the first questions is, are you the actual purchaser or transferee of this firearm? That means, are you buying it, or are you, or is somebody else buying it, right? And, and and if you lie on that form, I know, because I'm currently defending more than one of these cases, if you lie on that form, you're looking at 10 years in federal prison. Oh. So, you have to answer that truthfully, So, wait a minute. The
4: cryptocurrency guy is down on the island stealing billions yeah. and nothing's going to happen? But if you lie on that form, I got 10, <laughs> 10 years, years and federal pound me in the backside prison? <laughs> yes, is that sir. what you're telling me? No, no,
6: that's exactly what I'm saying. If I hand you, right now, if I hand you $500 out of my wallet. and I say, "Man, do me a favor. Stop by and pick up that, you know, Glock 19 used gun that, you know, that, that's down there at Beach Grove Firearms. You mind picking that up for me?" And you say, "Yes, I'm the actual transferee or purchaser of this gun on that form." We just committed a federal felony good for 10 years in federal prison. However, when you go through the instructions on the 4473, or even go to the the ATF website, it says, you can buy a gun as a gift for someone if you're using your own money. You're not using their money. That's a key distinction. And if you're not buying it for someone that you know is ineligible to buy their own gun from a dealer. Okay, Mm. this is important. So, you know, I know that uh, my wife, I know my wife can can purchase her own firearm i know she can possess a firearm she has her own license to carry and is an incredibly good shot by the way yeah. and so i know that she's legitimate to have her own gun I, she's legitimate to buy her own gun if i take my own money and go into the gun store and buy her a gun intending it to be a gift to her for christmas that's 100 legal the atf says so uh, federal government says so generally and uh, and that's totally legal but if she would give me her money which is probably my money anyway, but let's say... No, it's not. It's yeah. her money. <laughs> Listen, that's you've been married longer yeah. than I have, but I'm telling gruel. you right now, it's her money, Guy. That's a really good point. <laughs> but but at any rate, if I use somebody else's money, that's different. But if you use your own money to buy a gun as a gift for Christmas, and they're not someone prohibited from buying their own gun, totally legal, good to go.
4: Monday Gun Day, Guy Relford with us. One more thing here before we let you go. There's this story... From St. Joseph County, yeah, here in Indiana, where a guy gets arrested, uh, it's a number of different things going on here. Oh yeah, but in the process, we find out that he has turned a Glock into a machine gun. Whoa. right
6: Yeah, is this one normal and two? how do you do that how easy is it to do right yeah no if if i were in film in for one of you guys we'd be doing is this anything right now right right yeah yeah, no i mean this is uh, fairly common and what it is for a very cheap part in fact is when i sent you that link jason i i actually went out and i actually googled uh glock machine gun switch i just googled it and i immediately Uh got turn your glock into a machine gun for 129 dollars and offered to ship me one immediately.
3: And you just got flagged by the ATF as well when you type it no in. And in fact, that's exactly <laughs> what I said to Jason when I sent him the link.
6: I said, this this site is probably run by the uh, ATF. Yeah, But a, 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 a very simple device that affects the trigger bar in the sear and I won't get too deep in the weeds on the mechanics of this that that can turn a semi-automatic handgun particularly a Glock into a fully automatic gun meaning you pull the trigger you keep the trigger to the rear and it just keeps shooting it's a machine gun right and they they actually make they're not legal in the US but they actually make what's called a Glock 18 which is a fully automatic Glock handgun and you can buy them in Europe and other places and for a very cheap amount of money, you can go out and buy one of these things. It may or may not make its way through customs as it's coming into the country. And if you ordered it and customs catches it, they're going to come knock on your door. Customs and ATF are going to come put you in prison. But people are doing these. They're they're on the black market. People are buying them, and for a very little amount of money, yes, you can convert your, your Glock handgun or other gun into a fully automatic gun. This guy it was interesting to me because, and when I read this through this article, because you said he's got a whole bunch of things going on, he's charged with a bunch of different crimes. What was also interesting to me, not only is how easy it was for him to turn his Glock into a machine gun and get himself 10 years in federal prison, congratulations, but secondly, there was there was he was also charged with unlawful carrying of the handgun. Keep in mind, that's the crime that replaced carrying a handgun without a license under constitutional carry. And when I saw that, I went, aha, because all the cops, uh, not all, several law enforcement officers out there were just you know contesting constitutional carry, arguing against it. And they said, we won't be able to put bad guys in jail because if they don't have a license, you know we don't know whether they're committing a crime or not. We won't know what to do with them. Guess what? They figured out this guy had a prior felony conviction. They figured out he had a handgun license or no license it was illegal and they put his ass in jail for that basis on that basis and in the meantime figured out his gun was a machine gun and now he's going away for a very long time it it was interesting from the machine gun angle but in addition to that it was interesting to me as somebody who fought for constitutional carry for a long time that all the predictions of we won't know what to do with bad guys when we catch them with handguns was completely refuted by this because he was charged with a new crime unlawful carrying of a handgun by someone who's not legally allowed to carry a handgun that tells you that constitutional care is working just fine
4: if somebody has a question for you how do they get a hold of you
6: relfordlaw.com's the best way relfordlaw.com guy relford thank
4: you thanks guys it's the hammer and nigel show you're listening to the hammer and nigel show on 93
2: wivc i'm just
4: sitting here reading
2: about this new high-tech toilet
4: oh i see what kylan did here so Dropping you've got bombs. a story about a toilet, <laughs> and Kylan comes in with, you dropped the bomb on me by the Gat ban. Well done, little lady, have well ever, done. Uh, have you ever used one of those high-tech toilets? Like one of those. My, my old man's
3: got one of those Japanese Toto toilets. It costs a few grand.
4: Is that the one where it shoots the water up your bunghole? Uh,
3: that's, well, it's just one feature. It's got fans, it's got vacuums, oh. it's got a heated seat. It's got a vacuum. It's, it's, it goes in there and sucks it out. <laughs> <laughs> but this new high-tech toilet I'm reading about can detect deadly diseases just just by listening to you go. Oh. Seems like, a, you know, uh, that's a Christmas no brainer. For sure. Uh, and and uh, we actually have what it sounds like when somebody's using one of these things.
7: For the person who has everything, give them the gift of a longer life.
2: Warning you need to floss more. With a high tech <laughs> toilet that can detect deadly diseases just by listening to the sounds you make in the bathroom. Uh experiencing acid reflux lay off the hot <laughs> sauce pronto oh.
7: it's like having a doctor with you every time you go potty oh oh
2: Warning, I think something has crawled up inside you and died. Would you like me to call an ambulance? The high-tech audio-detecting toilet. Light a match. New from Fartco. I would like a transfer to another toilet.
4: <laughs> I want one of those. Light a match, light a fire, I don't know, do something. something! It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC.
2: So let's
3: rock it. Oh man, Hammer, I don't know about you, I think it's, I, I'm kind of excited for the uh, political landscape over the next uh, couple of uh, years here in Indiana. Governor seats are opening up, Senate seats are opening up, House seats are opening up, it's going to be kind of like musical chairs with all the names we've known to, grow you know, we've grown to know and love, uh, <laughs> Sparts and Braun and... Trey Hollingsworth, Banks Jim and Banks, Banks and, Suzanne and-, and Suzanne Crouch. Actually, Lieutenant Governor Crouch announcing she's running for governor today. She's actually going to go. Uh, she's joining us in studio here in about an hour and a half.
4: So I've got some questions for her because I want to find out what's different between her thoughts and Governor Holcomb's thoughts. So that's a conversation that you absolutely don't want to miss. I think
2: what
3: what you had to have what happened with the Secretary of State's race, Diego Morales. Um, was basically seen as a referendum uh, or a rebuke of Holcomb basically getting in that seat, getting that nomination and uh, who, you know let's face it, we criticize Holcomb on this show about the COVID lockdown policies and the mask mandates and things like that so I want to know if there's anything she'd do differently. She would have done differently and, and what's what's going to happen moving forward and if she's got enough money I mean Mike Braun, holy crap, has got like, well, I've read somewhere today 35 to 60 to ninety-six million dollars in the bank? She's only got two and a half, three million.
4: Only two and a half, three <laughs> well, million. But when I mean, you're talking we, about yeah, a, yeah. a major race like this, yeah. then that certainly applies. Uh from her website, Suzanne Crouch earlier today, quote, I have a clear vision for Indiana's future. Lower taxes, keep our citizens safe, protect the sanctity of life, and defend Hoosier values. Now, Mike Braun, he's already filed the paperwork and he announced today as well. So we'll get into a lot of that coming up a little bit after five o'clock right here on the Hammer and Nigel show when Suzanne Crouch joins us in studio. Uh, This is interesting. I think the attorney general's office here in Indiana, Todd Rikita, announcing $219 million for Indiana in terms of a settlement with CVS and Walgreens when it comes to the battle against opioids, 219 million bucks coming to Indiana. It's a big number. That is a big number. Um, this was a tentative recovery from a deal that also includes a little bit of Walmart too. So once you factor in Walmart, uh, you're looking at possibly 278 million dollars. That's 105 million from CVS, 114 million from Walgreens, and 59.4 million from Walmart. I, I
3: understand. I'd like to talk to Rakita because I, I understand, like you know, the the giant drug pharmaceutical companies and i understand uh, going after doctors that over prescribe this stuff but like cvs and walgreens they just get the prescriptions and hand them out right they you know unless there's more oversight and they they should have done more due diligence and closely looking at um, who was getting these prescriptions how many times they were getting these prescriptions bingo if there was doctor shopping going on you know we have a customer with multiple prescriptions coming in from different doctors if that could have been looked over a, a little bit more closely
4: Now, CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart... In addition to the financial payments, they've also agreed to have court-ordered relief that requires their pharmacies to monitor, report, and share data about suspicious activity related to opioid prescriptions. So if you walk into your local CVS and you're kind of like Dave Chappelle's crackhead character (laughs) and you're scratching yourself and you're flipping your shirt over and over again and they just openly hand you, here, here's your opioids, knock yourself out that's probably going to be looked at now <laughs> and that's a big settlement the money for those who are wondering the money is going to be used uh for harm reduction prevention treatment and recovery services for drug use it's in the state of indiana so hard
3: to get over that stuff people just battle with it for years and years and years i mean somebody like me had a Uh, deviated septum surgery had like seven days of vicodin and then i i come off that thing and it felt like i had the flu for three days i didn't know what i was experiencing i didn't know that's what happens when you come down off a regimen like that i it helped me with that surgery those things vicodin definitely helped me with the pain and it helped me sleep um so i'm not necessarily saying they're all bad all the time but I could definitely say, I mean, I couldn't imagine taking 30 a day and then having to come down off that. Trying to kick yourself off of that. No way. Yeah. You need professional help or that kind of thing when it gets to that level.
4: So this was CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart. And again, we've been talking about Walmart all afternoon because you got a coloring book, People of Walmart, <laughs> the coloring book. If you want to see Matt Bear's picture- Did you post it? It's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Look how proud Matt Bear is of that picture. <laughs> Look at that smile on Matt Bear's face. He, we
3: tasked him with uh, coloring a picture of a, a corpulent woman pushing a, a, a cart down the aisles of Walmart uh, in panties and a tank top. And I noticed he added a little something on the the backside of the panties there.
4: That was I an noticed. artistic choice yeah. from Matt Bear. But look at some, that smile! Artistic, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. Matt Bear smile that much in my entire life. The picture's up Facebook, Twitter, and it's in our Instagram oh. story at.
3: Hammer and Nigel. By the way, I'm stopping at CVS after I get out of here tonight. I got a prescription waiting on me there, and of course, I'm going to look at the uh, beer prices. Bingo, underrated, uh, underrated liquor prices. Right, beer and wine prices there. Uh, dirty thirties of Bush Latte. Um, I, I might be picking up something for the uh, the studio fridge. Oh, I like uh, if that's it. That's okay with you.
4: Absolutely. In the meantime, let's switch gears. Let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss, kiss stealing stealin Joe Biden.
1: I got hairy legs. Look, oh, look, oh, kiss
4: again. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, kiss Thank you. uh... Dr. Pepper.
3: <laughs> look, look, fat. look, fat. Here's the deal. That's my favorite. <laughs> Call it, calling a potential voter fat.
4: He had to limit himself. Yeah. He almost <laughs> called him fat something else. Look he here, would've... fat. <laughs> um, a new oh, CNBC yeah. survey published states that 70, seven zero. 70% of the people in their poll do not want Joe Biden to run again, and they're citing his age, yeah, which I think is there. just fancy talk for this dude doesn't know his left from his right anymore. 19% of respondents said they would support a Joe Biden re-election bid. And when asked about former President Donald Trump, 61% said they don't want him to run in 2024, but thirty percent said, "Bring the old man back for one more round."
3: You know, what I find interesting about Biden is that he just—it's so feeble, and he shuffles around, and he makes incoherent sentences, and just a gaff after gaff after gaff. And and the White House is—you know—the administration behind the scenes has had to walk back so many things he said in terms of. Policy, China, Taiwan, the things like that. They've had to walk everything back. And he's 80 years old. Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones is basically the same age. He's 79 or 80 years old. That guy is still going strong, dancing around on stage like he's 20 years old.
4: Bob the, Barker are, is 99 today. I'd rather kidding. have President Bob Barker <laughs> than President Applesauce Brains at this point. Bob Barker, I mean, he's active. He's frisky. He's getting people spayed and neutered. Joe Biden just (laughs) eats ice cream and hides and then falls. Biden, much more, I'm sorry, Bob Barker, way more spry than Joe Biden is at 99. Uh, More on the Biden administration. They say they're going to continue to work to get the release of former Marine Paul Whelan from Russian custody, uh they're still trying to figure it out. But they said they're optimistic. Nige, Joe Biden said last week that Russia was not willing to include Whalen in the trade involving Brittany Griner and the Merchant of
3: Death, yeah. well, arms heard, dealer Victor Bout. I've heard other reports that they gave him a choice, either Whalen or Griner, but not both. I heard there was a choice involved. I've read reports like that. Um, unsubstantiated, but I've heard from several different outlets there was a choice and if Biden decided to go with Griner and not Whalen, it's a problem.
4: Again, Matt Bear. somebody said it best on Twitter, that thing that you colored, that page, it's refrigerator
3: worthy.
6: Um, like, that's I, one
4: we can put on the fridge. I
6: just really appreciate that, because
1: I did work hard on it, and um, I think it could go up in anybody's.
4: I,
3: I love I love the artistic license you took with this woman's underwear. Uh, <laughs> you very know? disturbing, and Dammer took an up-close shot at that. I'm kind of just,
1: It Well, as an artist, you're just inspired sure. sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, I, I didn't yeah. put my initials on it. That's unfortunate. <laughs>
2: Anything on 93 WIPC.
4: Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You break down all the information and you be the judge. You give us a verdict if the story in question is anything or not. We start with this. Former Colts wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has signed on with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Reaching an agreement earlier today is this anything.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I think it's something the Ghost to the Cowboys, a team that just got done embarrassing the Indianapolis Colts, uh putting up what 33 on the Colts in the fourth quarter just Not in only. the fourth quarter alone, yes. <laughs> just, I think that's only the second or third time in the history of the NFL that's ever been done and in the, yeah, Hammer, the Cowboys are obviously in a, a strong hunt for the playoffs, one of the favorites in the NFC to make it to that championship. They think he's got something left in the tank. Do they know something the Colts don't?
4: Right, because that's, that's the actually, first thing that uh, popped into my mind. The Colts, who certainly could use some depth at wide receiver, yes. they ignored T.Y. Hilton all year. But the Cowboys, who are one of the favorites to be you know, playing in the NFC championship game, Apparently, they think he's still got a little something left. Maybe it was T.Y. Hilton that said, yeah, I don't want to play with this team. I'd rather have a team that can get mm-hmm, me the yeah. football.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's
4: got – one
3: of his sons plays for Ohio State, right? No, that's Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison's son. Okay, but T.Y. Hilton has a son that plays for Zionsville, is a stud. Yes, uh, right. I mean, I mean there's – there's there's him right up here, way high, and then there's just everybody else way below. It's He's incredible.
4: As a Colts fan, this is how I want the band to get back together. They draft Marvin Harrison's kid, and then they sign T.Y. Hilton's oh, kid. Yeah. They draft Arch Manning. We've got the band back <laughs> together, <Yeah>! baby. <laughs> Manning to Harrison, and we got Hilton at the other out. Let's go. Um, is this anything? A security guard and an alleged teen shop Lifter in New York City fell down an elevator shaft during a fight over the stolen items. Good. With uh, details on the involved rescue, here's the NYFD, New York Fire Department Deputy Assistant Chief and the supervisor of a nearby store.
3: We breached a wall in behind the elevator. We set up a mechanical advantage of basically a rope system, and uh, we were able to bring that victim up out of the elevator shaft within an hour.
5: They took a lot of stuff from Target,
2: and then uh, he just ran. And the security guy was ran, running behind him, Good. and uh, he, the security almost caught the guy. Elevator just came down straight, to so it was like a big noise.
3: I'm sorry, I, you know, everybody's okay. I'm glad they got the guy, and I'm sorry the security guard fell down the elevator shaft as well while chasing this thief down. It's more... Stuff like this needs to happen. I mean, these flash mobs that go storming into these retail stores and just c- collect everything they have and just walk right out. It's a, it's appalling. I'm saying, you know, more security and taser these a-holes. I don't care. Taser them. If it, it, those guys, the footage of everybody walking that Apple store in California and just casually taking the, you know, the the Apple store employees telling the guests just let them go, let them just let them leave. I mean, there was ten of them that walked in there and started grabbing cell phones right off the table. Nobody did anything. It's gotten out of control. I don't want to see tougher penalties and and paid security guards. I'm not talking about. The employees that fold the clothes and put them on the shelves or the clerks they have no business trying to stop somebody or the
4: eighty five year old Walmart yeah reader greeter.
3: right exactly They have no business trying to stop somebody but paid security that's their job to do that to stop those those mobs and those thugs yeah, for sure uh, give them a little more leeway and what they can do to to tamp down on those that kind of thing.
4: If you're going to have the elderly Absolutely. Walmart greeter, I want him to have a flamethrower. I want him <laughs> to be able to turn around and <laughs> like, oh, you wanna, you're want trying to get out of here with the TV? Not on nope. my watch, pal. I'm here for the flamethrower. Uh, keeping it in New York City, is this anything? SantaCon was there over this weekend. Oh, yeah. Convention of Santa Claus. Uh, the main SantaCon is an annual pub crawl. Yeah, it's a
3: bar crawl, yeah.
4: I <laughs> saw this. People in Santa costumes, they parade around the city, and it's people from all over the world, and take a listen. We came from Scotland, especially for SantaCon, and it has been fantastic so far.
3: We're from South Jersey, so we brought all the friends up this year to have everybody have a good time, and we're here to get drunk. It's
2: been a great
5: time, because you get to know so many people, everyone's so nice. Charity, so it's a
7: good event for everyone to come out and be merry. So to speak. And that's fine
3: for charity, but it's it's great also for the kids walking down the sidewalk, seeing drunk Santas left and right, puking in the alley after two. Fighting much booze. in the streets. Yeah, some guy <laughs> some guy pulls a salmon out of his, uh, his Santa jacket. Uh, Full dead acrobats. Yeah, a la Trading Places. <laughs> Sounds fun though. Didn't they have to kick? Didn't Pat Sullivan tell us they had to kick some guy in a Santa Claus outfit? Uh, out of his place uh, on Friday during Radiothon, somebody yeah. showed up in a dirty Dan Aykroyd tie- style trading places Santa suit, and they're like, "No, out of here." It was
4: kind of creeping out the kids a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was with that, but there's a viral video, and I think it's from maybe a couple of years ago where i don't know if it was santa con but there's a street fight between all of these guys in a santa suit <laughs> yeah. it might be in chicago i'm not sure i remember but i know what you're talking about people are getting curb stomped and thrown <laughs> down and it was wild man totally wild it's the hammer and nigel show
2: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
3: Hey, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest from the DriveHubler.com
4: hotline. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, we got a number of places we can start, but let's get into the Twitter files. These series of Twitter threads, tweet threads that basically expose what we've much thought all along that censorship has taken place at twitter that big tech has limited the reach of a lot of high-profile conservatives take me through your thoughts on when you see what's happening with twitter right now
7: well one of the first thoughts that really came to mind was back in 2018 where our chair ronna mcdaniel was shadow banned you couldn't find her on twitter when you were searching for her account uh, the RNC called Twitter out back in two thousand eighteen about this and Twitter said that they don't shadow ban. They insisted they don't limit the, the the reach of conservative voices on Twitter. We now know that was a lie. These Twitter files show that was a lie, shows it happened to Ronald McDaniel, our chair, but also Many other people, many other conservative voices. And what's equally concerning to me is the fact that it seemed to be done, if not in coordination, then at the behest of Democrats, where Democrats were reaching out to Twitter, saying, and citing specific posts that they wanted removed. So this raises, raises a series of questions in my mind, which is media bias, Twitter censorship, freedom of speech, but also a potential in kind contribution to the Democratic Party. There are so many red flags here, and that these files show that you said. Really confirming uh, what we've suspected all along that Twitter, under the old uh, leadership, old ownership, was suppressing conservative voices and putting their thumb on the scale for Democrats.
4: And I agree that this is a big deal, especially when you factor in the FBI meeting with the brass of Twitter, uh, and then some of the folks at Twitter trying to keep it secret, but just joking about it, that they're meeting with the FBI on a regular basis. That was part of the dump that happened over the weekend. But Tommy, I guess the problem that I have is this is a big deal. This is important. But Elon Musk is having these people dump this out late at night on Fridays, late at night on Saturdays. And then Elon Musk goes on stage with Dave Chappelle over the weekend. It's almost like he doesn't want this story to be front page on the news cycle the next day. Does that make sense?
7: Well, I'm not going to speculate on how exactly or why he's deciding to put it out late at night on Friday and Saturdays. I I would agree with you in principle that generally those are times where you don't want to release – the biggest stories, But I'm not going to speculate on that. What I do know is that these Twitter files are getting a lot of attention. And I think what I'm going to focus on and what we've been focusing on are the revelations within those Twitter files. Uh, And the fact that the House majority, the incoming House majority, Republican majority, is going to take steps to hold big tech accountable. And and the reason why I use big tech there and not Twitter is because this is beyond just Twitter. This is a big tech problem. Google, Facebook, Twitter. This is not isolated in any means necessary just to Twitter. And I I shudder to think what the Google files or the Facebook files would show based off of what we've seen from reporting, what we've seen already from suppression uh, in publicly available information when it comes to companies like Google and Facebook as well
3: tell me what you think about the media's coverage or (laughs) i guess i should say lack thereof of these twitter email dumps i mean it's you have the the white house press secretary saying oh this is just a minor distraction you have the washington post writing articles about how it's not a big deal and saying who cares the hunter biden laptop would not have affected the election one way or the other trump still wouldn't have won yet washington post was instrumental in not running that hunter biden laptop story your thoughts on uh the media and their involvement or or or, and the the lack of reporting here
7: well there's so many elements to this that are really raising a lot of red flags for for the mainstream media Uh, with hunter Biden's laptop one of the main elements there is that they ran with a democrat story that this was russian disinformation with absolutely no evidence that that was the case they just took the word for it and then when twitter decided and facebook decided to suppress that story almost justified it using a baseless claim that it was Russian disinformation. And if that was an isolated example of the mainstream media putting their thumb on the scale in the favor of Democrats, then then you could almost explain it away as a massive error of groupthink and misjudgment. But it, it's continuing, and it continues time after time after time. With Twitter, for example, journalists in the mainstream media took Twitter's word that they weren't shadow banning conservatives without any evidence that was proving that that practice wasn't happening. They just took Twitter's word for it. That was shown to be a lie. Uh, And and now for them to come back and say, oh, we knew this all along, it it really contradicts what they were saying to begin with. There's so many red flags here. And I think a continuing question, one of the the bigger worries for me now, is back in July 2021, uh, Jen Psaki said that the Biden administration was continually working with big tech to flag problematic posts, as she put it which indicates to me that the censorship coordination could be continuing with political appointees in the Biden administration. Now, that's something to me that is a massive question. If this is happening, that's a massive issue, constitutional issues. But the mainstream media has an extreme lack of curiosity, to put it mildly, to get into the bottom of whether the Biden administration, whether big tech are violating some of the most fundamental freedoms that it takes that it means to be an American. I think there's a lot of introspection that needs to happen. And I think, unfortunately, their coverage of Twitter, the Twitter files right now shows that there's not an appetite for that to happen amongst any of these mainstream media outlets that got it so wrong for so long.
4: We're chatting with Tommy Piggott. He's the RNC rapid response director. So while we've been looking at Twitter and we've been looking at other things on the news, the situation at the border, another story that doesn't get the attention that I think it deserves has gone from bad to worse. For those who haven't been paying attention, Tommy, take us through what's going on down at our southern border right now.
7: The only way to describe it is a complete collapse. The complete collapse of our immigration system along the border. The border is being completely overrun, and there's no other way to possibly describe it. That's not me being uh exaggerating the situation. That's not me trying to put some partisan spin on it. That is legitimately what is happening. We are seeing an unprecedented number of illegal immigrants crossing the border every single day. The largest single group in decades crossed the border this weekend. And what that means is that the Border Patrol has no ability to process these people in an effective manner. It means even those that are being encountered are being released en masse onto the streets, into cities that are oftentimes only one, two, three thousand 3,000 people that have no resources to actually handle this amount of flow. And that doesn't even count what are called gotaways, those illegal immigrants that cross the border and are not apprehended, that go into the United States and escape into the United States. And we know, based off of estimates, based off of reports, there are over one million illegal immigrants that have escaped into the United States since Joe Biden took office. The only way to describe that is a complete meltdown, a complete collapse of our immigration system. And yet Joe Biden insists that's not, quote, important enough to warrant his time, it's a complete dereliction of duty.
3: Tommy, is there any? Are there any Democrats that have taken notice of this at all on the other side?
7: There are some Democrats that have written letters that have called for oh. Biden to go to the border. Okay, but I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's sort of you know, it's at this point that's not enough. That's not enough, and there's been no appetite for the current majorities in the House and Senate, the Democrat majorities, to hold actual hearings to say why are the, why is the Biden administration lying to us. Why is the Biden administration blocking border resources? Why did the Democrats in the Senate and the House, and well, specifically the Senate, vote against hiring 18,000 more Border Patrol agents, but voted for IRS agents instead? There's no appetite to actually take this issue seriously. Uh, and I know the incoming House Republican majority is going to do just that in terms of investigating what's going on here and holding officials like Mayorkas who is the DHS secretary, holding officials like Mayorkas responsible for this complete and utter failure.
4: Tommy, one more thing here before we let you go. Again, Tommy Piggott of the RNC with us. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the prisoner swap that took place last week. Brittany Griner and the Merchant of Death, a one-on-one trade. They crossed paths on the tarmac. Brittany Griner now back here in the United States. But Victor Bout, the arms dealer extraordinaire, now is basically a free agent for the world. And this is a dude that's got a history of wanting to put weapons into the hands of people who want us dead, Americans dead. I want to get your thoughts on that trade.
7: Well, the thoughts of that are three, in my mind, three extremely important questions. Well, just off the top before getting into those, no American should ever be wrongfully detained by villainous thugs around the world. That's just a blanket statement. Uh, and it's a good thing when Americans are freed From that detention, that wrongful detention. But the Biden administration has refused to answer basic questions about what this means for U.S. national security, questions that you hinted at. Uh, One of them is, will the merchant of death, Victor Boot the merchant of death go back to threatening American lives? How many American lives will be threatened because of his release? We also don't know why other Americans were left behind why this was a one-for-one trade, why there wasn't other Americans, why didn't they push for other Americans to be released, or why do they accept this deal knowing that it could threaten American lives? Uh, And then we also have to get, get into this idea of, will this exchange actually threaten or lead to more detentions of Americans? Will other countries look to this exchange and say, if I can detain an American, I can get my most dangerous criminal freed from American detention? Will other villainous thugs, will other bad actors... this as a cue of american weakness and actually threaten american lives and threaten american safety in other instances as well Uh, those questions have been asked the biden administration but they have dodged them they refuse to answer them uh, and they refuse to actually be held accountable for their calculus behind this decision Uh, so until we get those answers until we know how we're going to prevent him from threatening american lives until we know how we're going to prevent bad actors from from really taking this as a signal of american weakness and how we're going to free those other americans Still wrongfully detained in Russia. Until we get those answers, it's impossible to give the Biden administration any credit, and in fact, they might actually deserve some some blowback for this, some some real intense scrutiny for what calculus went into this and whether or not more American lives are going to be threatened.
4: Tommy Piggott, the rapid response director for the RNC. Tommy, as always, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here in Indy. Hey, thanks for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Crime, Punishment, Judges.
3: Legal stuff. Your kids play Fortnite? They ever play Fortnite
4: on Xbox? I've seen them play it before.
3: Yeah. It's, I, I swear, and your kids are getting older, so they may have aged out of it, but there's a Canadian lawsuit that says, uh, that is alleging Fortnite is addictive. Uh, class action lawsuit up in Canada, uh, harmful to kids, it's addictive, two parents are suing, said their kids played a game compulsively, uh, causing them to suffer panic attacks uh withdrawal from family, you know, spending money on the uh, on the game consistently uh compulsively. And I look, my kid is 10 11 years old. He plays Fortnite. He loves it. He's good at it. I don't mind that he plays it. We take it away from him during the week, during school. Plays it on the weekends. He hops on there with his buddies. They're all connected. They talk, sure. s- smack to each other. He doesn't get on there with strangers. Um, and I like that he's, hes I mean, how many times did you get home from school and go straight to playing Super Mario Brothers with the Nintendo Entertainment System? I mean, when you didn't have sports or something.
4: Even I, in I, college, when I was in college, yeah. you know, you come yeah. home from class, your buddies have some beers, you're oh, playing please. Madden, you know, We're, you're doing grand things.
3: Grand Theft Auto. I would stay home uh, in the early 2000s and, uh, you know, I had the PlayStation and I would play Grand Theft Auto and 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 carry a cooler of beer up, uh, <laughs> up to the, because it was upstairs in the loft so i wouldn't have to go down constantly and keep getting beer out of the fridge i just pack right. a cooler and go up to the loft and play it all night so i don't think i don't think it's heroin man i think part of it is parenting keep your, bingo keep keep an eye on what your kids are doing like i said we don't let our kids normally get on the uh the, their ipads or their video games during the week especially during the uh, school year so uh, yeah i mean if your kids have a panic attacks you might look within and, and see the job that you're doing as a parent.
4: It's not the game manufacturer's fault that you just let your kid play it all the time and now he's addicted. How about you go into the kid's room and say, hey, we've played enough games. Let's go outside. And he's let's go about, to the gym somewhere. Yeah, let's go do an activity. My
3: kid's good about going outside and playing with the neighbor kids. And they knock on the door. He immediately turns it off and goes outside and plays. It just depends And if it's a rainy, cloudy, gross day. Or he might be inside and hanging out and uh, sits in his room and plays. And if not, he's outside playing if it's a nice day. Um, I, I don't think there's really any problem with it um it just just keep an eye out just keep a close eye out on what they're doing and, and yeah the the spending uh the spending money on in-game currency is something we had to deal with because we had a <laughs> we had a credit card linked to that thing and we weren't aware Uh-oh. we weren't we weren't aware he figured out how to spend a few extra dollars and uh he claimed he was hacked but I think we know the truth
4: yeah so did joy Reed <laughs> we got some more <laughs> yeah. legal stuff here. Uh-huh. A uh, unanimous three-judge panel on the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of, Court of Appeals has ruled that the Biden administration is not allowed to force a group of Catholic health care providers and professionals to perform gender transition surgeries. So this Court of Appeals, the U.S. Court of Appeals 8th Circuit, said that, yeah, this is religious freedom here. If this group of Catholic health care providers does not want to make your second grader transition from a boy to a girl, a girl to a boy, they've got the right to do that. Which has to just really tick off the Pendleton school staff, right? <laughs> the staff and the counselors up at the Pendleton school district where Tony Kennett's right. been covering how they've been trying to keep the parents out of the loop about kids that may be trying transition. to Transition unbelievable story. Tony Kennett will be on with us on Wednesday to give us the latest on that, but it kind of got us thinking here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. With it being the holiday season, let's put our record label to work here. We're talking a lot about genders and gender-neutral studies going on right now. Here's an updated version of a Christmas classic from Hammer and Nigel
1: Records. You know Arbor and Ridley and Tatum and Everest. (laughs) Quincy and River and Shiloh and Harper, (laughs) but do you recall? The most ambiguous reindeer of all. Oh no! Rudolph, the gender neutral reindeer. Oh come on! Had a very butch hairdo. Wow! And if you ever saw them, you would always say, hey you. (laughs) All of the other reindeer. Reindeer! Used to laugh and make them frown. They never addressed poor Rudolph using the correct pronoun <laughs> then one foggy christmas eve santa came to say come on rudolph so androgynous won't you guide my sleigh for us <laughs> then how the reindeer loved them, Love them. <laughs> as they shouted out with glee <laughs> rudolph the gender neutral reindeer it's cool to be non-binary. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. It's
4: the Hammer and Nigel show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are
2: weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock!
0: Hey, Hammer. I
3: think the more candidates we have running for open seats here in the next couple of years in Indiana, the better. I think the more choice, the more debate that we have, especially amongst the GOP primaries, I, I think, the I mean, it's, it's a good thing, whether it be the governor's race or the Senate or the House or local mayor's race here coming up in Marion County. Even in Zionsville, places like that, where you're going to have... It's it's going to get crazy in the next couple of years. I'm all about it. It's going to be fun.
4: It's going to be a fun two years here on 93 WIBC, yeah. my friend. It is. And the governor's race. Let's start with that. All right. Because uh, it's really starting to heat up here. You've got Mike Braun, a U.S. Senator, uh, been in studio with us many times, formally announcing today at Prime 47 that he is running for governor. Now, he filed the paperwork back in November, so this wasn't a big surprise. Very
3: disappointed he didn't make the official announcement on the Hammer and Nigel show. Right. Because he was in here uh, a couple of months ago on our show, and I told him specifically, I looked at him and I said, Senator, you make that announcement on this show, okay? And he looked at me, he's like... Okay, Mike Braun, okay. (laughs) He didn't take me up on it. No.
4: He went to Prime 47 instead. I
3: would have gone to Prime 47
2: myself.
4: We can offer you a Bush light, or you can go to Prime 47. The (laughs) choice is yours, Senator. The last time the Senator came here and hung out with us, he brought us beer. He did. He brought us a little Mm. uh, libations. So he is going to be leaving his Senate seat to run for governor. Also... Republican Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch has announced she's also running. As a matter of fact, here in about uh, 10 minutes or so, she's going to be in studio with us. Okay, cool. We're going to have some questions. Hopefully, she'll have some answers. We'll talk about why she's running. So there are two names. The Democrats haven't really made a lot of noise yet, but the one name that keeps getting talked about more than others is Jennifer McCormick. Uh, Democrat, she, yeah, I think, is kind of laying the groundwork to run right now. She's doing that thing where she's checking to see if there's enough interest, if there's en- enough money, kind of laying the groundwork. But that's a name to keep an I eye mean, on. Money
3: is an interesting thing. I was reading in the Indy Star about how a uh, lieutenant governor's got two and a half, maybe three million. She estimates more by the year end of the year. I, I mean, you guys got, got guys like Braun, independently wealthy, or at least you know he built his own wealth. 35 to 90 million dollars <laughs> he's gonna be able to run a, a highly uh, effective campaign i'd like to know how um they plan to uh counter that how they, the lieutenant governor plans to counter that
4: that's a big number yeah that's a big big number now if mike braun is going to run for governor that means there's an open senate seat yep. and we've got a statement from house rep jim banks From Indiana, You may have heard Harrison talking about this at the top of the hour here. Uh, Jim Banks has released a statement, quote, Senator Braun has been a reliable and strong conservative in the Senate. And I'm grateful for all that he has done for our state over the past four years. I'm confident that he will continue to champion Hoosier values in the next stage of his public service career. Indiana deserves a proven conservative to continue Senator Braun's work in the Senate. I am strongly considering running for the open Senate seat in Indiana in 2024, and I will spend the upcoming holidays praying and talking with my wife, family, and closest friends about how I can best serve Indiana. Isn't it interesting? We've got
3: basically two years. Before an election takes place, you already got guys left and right. And when I say guys, I mean, individuals, men and women putting their names in the hat for uh, certain various uh, roles within the,, uh, you know, the Senate, the house and and governor. it's It's happening awfully
2: early,
4: and Victoria Sparts, she Sparts, said that yeah. she's going to be deciding sometime between January and February, Uh, maybe early february about whether or not she wants to give up the house seat and make a run for the senate and let's just for argument's sake say that she decides to do that now you've got a couple open house seats here in the state of indiana so the dominoes are falling we got an interesting mayor's race shaping up here in indianapolis Places like Zionsville are going to have interesting mayor's races. It's going to be a fun two years. So please, stay with us here at 93 WIBC. We'll have this little journey together. Uh, Why don't we play a special Monday edition? of is it racist so joy it's time to play is it racist now for those who may be new to the hammer and nigel show perhaps you're listening for the very first time we don't want you to be left out so here to explain how we play is aoc
0: is it racist is something racist yes or no
4: pretty thank straightforward yes yeah. thank you dateline pennsylvania a willow grove pennsylvania school board member said she would not vote for the only cis-white male on the board to serve as school board president, despite the fact she thinks he would make an excellent president. Take a listen to this. We've got some audio here. Only two names are being considered for the top leadership position in this school board. Only two people are involved. But one of the school board members says, yeah, this guy's qualified he would make a great president, but he's white.
7: I believe that <laughs> Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board, president of this district, sends the wrong message to our community. A message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken.
3: I mean, I I think I could say that's racist. Yeah, look, you're qualified for the gig, but you're the wrong color. That's the basic you're,
7: definition
3: of you're what we're a, you're, going against here, right? You're a straight white man. Uh, yeah, I know you do a good job. You got all the qualifications. You got the resume. But you are straight and you are. Oh, my God. You're white. You Holy are a tasty white dude. And uh, You're Kenny am, Chesney. You might as well be Kenny <laughs> Chesney. <laughs> <laughs> I am not voting for you, you cis white male who has all the qualifications. I'm pretty sure that's racist.
4: Like, there might as well just be a sign that says, no whiteys. Like, if you're going to apply for this position of the leadership of the Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, Moreland School District,
3: I mean, come on. Cisgender, by the way, in case you don't know what cis male is, it's used by feminists and LGBTQ bloggers to refer to a heterosexual white man.
2: Straight white man.
3: Straight white guy. You're Cis male.
4: (laughs) You're qualified. You're just incredibly smart, but boy, are you white? You make Peyton Manning <laughs> look black. You're so white. We can't have any of that whiteness around here. Can you
3: imagine one of us coming in the air and saying, "Yeah, this person is is uh, great and is qualified, but he, you know, he's uh, not the right color." He, you know, could you, somebody like you and I, or somebody in in government, that says something like that? Other than, you know, the heterosexual white man, pretty easy target. If you said it about any other ethnicity, you'd be canceled immediately.
4: Um, We got some big concerts announced, Nige. Uh, Concert season, they're trying to line up all the acts right now. This is the time of year where they start lining up the schedule for Deer Creek up there in Noblesville. And yes, I still call it Deer Creek. Oh, how dare you. In addition to the usual suspects, right? The folks that come every year. Tell me if any of these new shows do anything for you. Janet Jackson, Leonard Skinner, or ZZ Top. Are they all performing on the same night? No. Is it like a festival? No, that's not the same show. They're all individual shows.
3: I would be down for a Skinner ZZ Top show. Bring Janet sure. Jackson out
4: there too. Let's go.
2: Fine. I'm not
3: spending money to go see Janet Jackson. I would love to see ZZ Top. I regret not being able to see them before. I've never seen him before. Uh, one of, you know, Dusty Hill passed away. And uh, he's a bass player, so uh, I think they got their their guitar tech that replaced him. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see ZZ Top live, and Skinner, for that matter. Skinner!
4: I mean, if you're looking at these three acts, I mean, at least with Janet Jackson, you're getting the original act. I mean, Leonard Skinner lost some guys oh, in a sure. plane crash. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. ZZ Top, one of them passed away. At least with Miss Jackson, you're getting all of the hits performed by the original artist here. Tons of hits.
2: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. I am still
3: living with My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. The political landscape in Indiana is just going to be nuts the past, uh, the next couple of years. We have our special in-studio guest, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch has she said she's going to run for governor as uh, Ho- Governor Holcomb has run out of, uh, well, he's run out of time, basically. Don't know exactly what he's going to do yet. Maybe a Senate run for him. Uh, we've already had Mike Braun announce that he's running for governor. Now the Lieutenant Governor here joining us in studio has also announced today she's going to be Running for governor in 2024. How are you?
5: I'm doing well, Nigel. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's uh, start... and I hear we have fun here, huh?
4: A little bit, a little, a little bit, time. She walked in and saw Nigel with a beverage. You guys really do drink in here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well,
3: uh, let's not tell our new owners that. I, I'm sure I'm not sure uh, Dion approves of that. So um, let's start let's start off with something easy, uh, Suzanne. Why Why did you decide to make this announcement? And why do you side Why did you decide to run?
5: You know, it, it, when I look at my life, it's interesting. It's taken this direction because I didn't grow up in a political home. But one of the things my parents raised me was to be responsible for myself, but to have a responsibility for others who are less fortunate. And that's the way I've lived my life in public service. It is why I am running for governor for the state of Indiana. It's because I have a vision for Indiana that will propel our state into the future. I've traveled the state, been to all 92 counties many times over. I've listened to Hoosiers, I've heard them. And I truly understand and can relate to what Hoosiers need and want. So
4: let's get into some of the differences between yourself and Governor Holcomb. You are currently the Lieutenant Governor. What separates you from what we see already with Eric Holcomb?
5: Well, first of all, I have a long long history of public service. Not only was I a local elected official as a county auditor and a county commissioner, but a state representative, auditor of state, now lieutenant governor. And so when you look at my record as a local elected official and in the state, I have been one who has pushed for transparency, accountability, and responsiveness in government. I'm proud of this administration and the accomplishments we've achieved. $22 billion in CapEx investment in Indiana this year, which is up from le- record last year, of eight point seven billion. Best infrastructure in the country. Uh, the uh, Brown County State Park was named the best six best state park in the country, and we're one of fourteen states with the AAA credit bond rating by all three independent rating agencies. I'm I'm proud of what this administration has accomplished, but we can accomplish even more. The next chapter in Indiana's history is going to be about quality of life, and I have a vision to get there.
4: Okay, so one of the issues that I've had with Governor Holcomb, is that he called folks who wanted to open up their business a Petri dish. There are some things that I have agreed with Governor Holcomb on. He's been on the show. He's been on the show. Uh, I like the sports betting stuff. I like the Sunday sales stuff. There are some other things that I've been on board with. But that lost a lot of people. Would you have done things differently?
5: Well, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I can sit here today and say I would have opened quicker. I wouldn't have done mass. I wouldn't have done lockdowns. But, you know, that is 2020 hmm. hindsight. Right. And so when you're in a global pandemic that there is no rule book for, you make the best decisions you can based upon what you have available to you in terms of research and in terms of medicine and in terms of, uh, you know, just the science that is out there. And so I think and I believe that Governor Holcomb made the best decisions he possibly could. And I think he did a good job of balancing Hoosiers' lives and Indiana's economy.
3: You know, he did get, I mean, Holcomb got reelected, but are you concerned, like, you know, Diego Morales uh, uh, was the GOP, uh, ended up being the GOP nominee, which was kind of seen as a referendum or a rebuke of Holcomb. Are you worried that that same thing might happen to your campaign Um, in terms of conservatives and, and, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic? And yes, I did disagree with a lot of things. Are you concerned that that might hinder your campaign at all?
5: I have a record. Not, this isn't my first rodeo. I didn't just come in and become lieutenant governor. I was auditor of state before that, and Indiana was a national leader for transparency with the website that I did, the portal that I did. Before that, I was a state legislator and co-author and major moves legislation, which ended up with us being one of the states with the best infrastructure in the country. And before that, I was a county commissioner and a county auditor. I have a record you know i am my own person well i'm I was
3: glad to say, i'm glad to hear you say that you wouldn't have done masks, mandates and, and things like that that that's something i really well, like I to hear said, i
5: said uh, today looking uh, back sure. we might have said we might not have done that
3: uh, money, a concern for you at all? I mean, especially when you're talking about uh, Senator Braun, he put his name. I mean, today, I think he announced today officially that he's running for governor. He's sitting on a boatload of cash. Um, and I, you know, I was reading the Indy Star. You have you could have $3 million by years in. How important is uh, having that, that money in the coffer there for the, well, the I'll campaign? Well, i tell you what.
5: The first time I ran back in 1986, I ran for county auditor. I thought if I was the best candidate and worked the hardest, I'd win. And I didn't know about money. My husband and I put about two or $3,000 of our own money in, which we didn't have at that time. Oh, Jesus. And we lost. And after that, I decided I'm never going to do that again. If I can't convince Hoosiers that I'm a good investment for them in the state of Indiana, then I don't deserve to win. And so I raised my own money, and it comes from thousands of Hoosiers all over Indiana. And that'll be the case I'll continue to make moving forward, and I'll have enough money to be competitive.
4: We're chatting with Suzanne Crouch, the lieutenant governor. She is running to be governor of the state of Indiana. All right, I'm going to do a little rapid fire here. I'm going to throw out Uh some topics of the state of Indiana. You tell me what you think, okay? Are we overtaxed? The state has a huge surplus. Are Hoosiers overtaxed?
5: I think we can do more to lower taxes, and that's what we'll be working on. But Indiana, over the past 16, 17 years, has cut our taxes by 12, 13, 14 times. I don't know what that exact number is, but we are an affordable state. Uh, And so can we do a better job? We can absolutely do a better job. Do we need to put more money in Hoosiers' pockets? We absolutely do. Abortion. I'm pro-life. My record has been clear.
4: And transgender sports in high school. This was a hot topic during the last legislative session. Um, where are you at with that? Governor Holcomb, veto- Holcomb vetoed uh, that, that bill. Correct. Right.
5: And I, it, Governor Holcomb and I have conversations all the time. And I told him my position on that particular bill. I prefer to call it the Fairness in Women's Sports bill. But I told him that I was in favor of that bill. Uh, he knew my position. Uh, we disagreed. He vetoed it. I did not agree with the veto uh, and, and and spoke to him about that. And I think mine comes from as a mother of a daughter who played high school sports, the issues are really fairness and safety. And there's nothing fair or oh. safe about a biological boy competing in a girl's sport.
3: Crime. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues I have. I live and work. I, I don't live in Marion County. I work down here. I have family that live right downtown. And crime seems to be a, an incredible hot-button issue, what's your plan for crime in the state?
5: You know, one of the things we need to do is strengthen our families and strengthen our communities, and that means we need to support and we need to ensure that our police and our law enforcement have the funding to be able to keep our neighbors, our neighborhoods, and our communities safe. But in addition to that, we have to look at how we can tighten up and prevent the fentanyl that is coming in over Hmm. our wide-open southern borders being here and us being a border state. Every state in the United States is now a border state because of the fentanyl issue. I just came from Shepherd House before here and the problems that they are dealing with in that neighborhood because of fentanyl and how it's devastating communities and it's devastating families is totally unacceptable.
4: One more thing here. We got about a minute left. If you have to work with a Democrat prosecutor, like we have here in Marion County, can you work with a Democratic prosecutor and come up with some sort of compromise? Just to
3: make sure crimes are actually prosecuted to the fullest extent that they need to be. And, uh, you know, along those same lines, sentencing guidelines and these kind of lax bail laws that the judges and the prosecutors here in Marion County have been working with. I know you're going to be governor. You have worry about the state, but locally here, that's important here.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things that people yearn for and that they want is for people to work together. We talk about Washington, D.C. being dysfunctional. People don't want that in their state government. They don't want that in their city government, but yet we need elected officials that enforce the laws to the fullest. Is your foot okay?
3: Oh, That's great. I, I, just, I saw that boot. You walk other... in on him. What happened? I, you know, my,
5: my husband. I just got. You know,
4: <laughs> did he get, he trip you down the stairs
3: or something.
5: What happened? <laughs> I actually missed a step, and you know, it's. A you first...
4: did. We were just talking about missing steps the other oh. day.
5: You know what? It's the first sprain I have ever had. I've never broken a bone. I've never had a sprain, and you know what? My daughter said to me when I she found out I sprained my ankle for the first time. <laughs> She said it's obvious you didn't play sports. (laughs) Oh, bringing the heat. All right. I feel like such
3: an idiot when I miss that phantom step while walking down the stairs. I think there's another step, but there's actually not. You've hit the step. (laughs) I've I've done it more than once. I don't know what's
4: worse, thinking there's another step and there's not or, you know, the other way around. Either way, you don't look good. Um, Lieutenant Governor, if somebody wants to continue this conversation, if they want to reach out to you in regards to your run for the governor's race, where can they go?
5: they can go to uh Suzanne Crouch google Suzanne Crouch for governor and they can get a hold of me and you know I'm looking forward to working with Hoosiers all across the state to do better and do more
4: we're going to ask the same of you as we would any candidate that comes in here if you win the race can you commit to a regular maybe monthly appearance here on WIBC to talk a little shop
5: You know what? I would love to talk with you every chance I get. Come in
4: for Beer Sample Friday. Right. Come in with Beer Sample Friday. We'll get it loaded up. I'm telling you, you'll have a good time.
5: Beer Sample Friday on Monday?
4: Well, don't worry about (laughs) it. All right? Don't worry about it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC.
3: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. I still think one of the biggest revelations I've seen in terms of the Twitter file dump, you know, Elon Musk handing over uh, tons of emails, internal documents, and conversations going on between the executives at Twitter. His initial one that he uh, put out to Matt Taibbi, who used to be a journalist for the Rolling Stones, he writes for Substack. Uh, Was that the guy, that guy James Baker, who uh, worked for the FBI, left, and then was working in Twitter's law department, uh, was... Sanitizing those emails before they got to Matt Taibbi in the initial Twitter dump, and that's something that we talked about with Breitbart political editor uh, Emma Joe Morris. She was kind of the first to point that out, and then a day later, Elon Musk fires the guy. So even even as the this this email dump was being pushed out, the initial one, this guy Baker was sanitizing those emails before they got to Taibi. It's unreal what they're doing over there and we all knew it was going on. And it was going on up until the last second before before Musk fired the guy.
4: And in the past if you would have said, "Man, I think some conservatives are being shadow banned," people would have looked at you like you said the moon landing was fake or that, you know, 9/11 was fake yeah. or like some sort of wacky conspiracy that Alex Jones would come up with. But now it's all coming true. The information is right there. We all knew it all along, but it's out there for everybody to see. And the thing that has kind of gotten me the most is how active and how buddy-buddy the FBI was in dealing with some of these woke activists that were running Twitter. Yeah, having weekly meetings or at least monthly meetings. Yoel Roth, this little clown, uh, had so much authority— at Twitter, to basically limit, suppress views that he didn't like. Uh, They were all on board with kicking out Donald Trump's account.
3: You look at those internal documents, they were not only all on board with it, but they admitted, they acknowledged that he did nothing wrong, yet banned him anyway.
4: And go back to 2016, because that's when Jack Dorsey was still in charge of Twitter. They were adamant that they would never ever nor do they currently shadow ban people for politics does twitter
2: censor the content of its users does it hide what it would consider inflammatory comments whether they be social or political? Absolutely not. Twitter has always been about controls people can follow whoever they want and it's our job to make sure they
3: see the most the most important things and the, and the things that don't matter to them So anybody can say anything on Twitter the company does not go in there and take certain things out that can be dangerous well, there's certain there's certainly tweets that promote violence which is against our Terms of Service. And uh, people have controls to block and people have controls to mute. But
2: what about the company? Who Not decides the, company. the
3: difference between criticism and hate? These are, the, these are the individuals. So you can follow who you want. And if it's something you want to see, you continue to follow it. And he said as much in front of Congress
4: as well. Right. And that was Under Matt o- Lauer speaking to Jack Dorsey in 2016. So just for blanks and giggles here, let's say somebody is like, well, that was back in 2016. It was a different time back then. Let's fast forward a few years later. Under the Donald Trump presidency, this is what Jack Dorsey said to Sean Hannity on his radio program.
3: We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint
4: or content, period. As Maury would say, that was a lie. Yeah, it
3: it was a lie. I think he knew to some point it doesn't... There's another side of me that it, it doesn't seem like Jack is now currently, even though he's no longer part of the company, he wasn't, uh, there's part of me that says that he may have been oblivious to the fact, or well, the snakes that he surrounded himself with. In other words, the inmates were running the asylum, and Jack may have been somewhat oblivious to the fact that this was happening.
4: So the uh, Yoel Ross and the yes. Vijaya Gades, yes. and the ultimately Jack's replacement, Parag Agrawal, mm. these are the biggest just kiss asses imaginable and they were the ones doing the majority of the work but i don't believe for one minute jack dorsey's hands are clean here not at all but i think another story to this is that the time that these dumps come out we call this in the business the news dump when somebody wants to put a story out there but they don't want a lot of media coverage for it you put it out late on a friday or on the weekend because there are no morning talk shows it's out of the news cycle. People are doing other things for the weekend. So before we put Elon Musk up on a pedestal, and I do believe he deserves some credit for all of this, there's a part of me that wonders, why are you having these journalists put this out on Friday night yeah. and Saturday night?
3: I mean, this is all new. I don't want to say it's unprecedented. We've we've seen internal documents exposed before, but I'm glad Elon Musk is the one putting it out there. He's giving it to journalists to do but again this is like this is all new to them and there's probably some kinks to be worked out i I don't the media is not covering it anyway hammer i don't care if you put it out on a tuesday afternoon at one o'clock cnn and msnbc are not covering this you were the i you and i are the only ones uh, this radio station is the only one that's talking about i haven't seen it in local news media coverage basically it's it's crazy how they think. You know, the Washington Post had an editorial. Well, it's no big deal. Hunter Biden's laptop wouldn't have made a difference in the 2020 election. Uh, Joe Biden still would have who cares? Yet they still squashed the story. If nobody cared, why did you censor it? Why did you push it away? Why did you squash it?
4: I just feel like as media savvy as these reporters are and as media savvy as Elon Musk is, if you would have put this out at 4 or three o'clock in the afternoon, then you've got you know five o'clock news coverage, evening shows, and prime time on the cable news outlets, morning shows like Tony Katz would cover it the next day. But instead, it's late at night. So I'm wondering, does Elon Musk even want these stories to get media attention? Because Elon uh-huh. likes the attention himself. He went to the Dave Chappelle uh, comedy show. That he was doing out in San yeah. Francisco. Is that where he got booed? And <laughs> Dave Chappelle brought Elon Musk on the stage. And keep in mind, this is San Francisco. Take a listen to the reaction.
2: i have to make some noise for the richest man
4: in the world. Yeah! So Elon's walking out. So that's kind of a mixed reaction right there. Mm. But time goes on. A lot of booze. Time's going on and here's a little bit more.
3: Sounds like it sounds like some of those people you fired around the audience he fired a elon musk and then he walks up there and he dropped the uh, uh you know the quote i'm rich b the rick uh, james line The rick james line from the Chappelle show which is kind of corny and cheesy and elon musk is sort of a nerd and when he goes out there and does that it's not i mean it's just like you know i roll give me a break but he did lay a flamethrower to Twitter. I mean, Twitter's headquarters is in San Francisco, Hammer. It is. <laughs> San Francisco uh, is a bastion for for progressive liberals there, and they probably— And, and you know what? Elon Musk is a, the most independent-minded guy I think there is right now. He's exposing truths on Twitter. He's exposing exactly what went on on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't understand—I guess I do understand the bo- booze because ultra-progressive liberals don't have that power anymore that they did with Twitter. And in everything that we knew and that we were saying about Twitter, the shadow banning, has been proven true. And they're probably upset. And thousands of people were fired. But man, he had to burn it down to rebuild that culture. And like you said earlier today on Wish TV during our segment, has anything like changed for you on Twitter in terms of usage and or you know posts with all those people that have been fired? Thousands? He fired half his staff, like 7,500 people. And it still runs the same. They were saying, oh, the servers are going to crash. Oh, it's going to be a disaster. Everything's working the same.
4: What the hell did all those people do that he fired? Because my experience has been the same. I can still see posts. I can still tweet. As a matter of fact, my numbers have gone up, both on my personal Twitter and the Hammer and Nigel Show account. My experience has been fine. What did all of those other people do? <laughs> I mean, that's half the staff at the least, and everything's running fine, it seems like. By the way,
3: speaking of numbers, I could we just take a, just a quick second to talk about our numbers of this afternoon show that just came out uh, in November uh, this year? I mean, some of the highest ratings we've had in those money demos, 25 to 54 men, 25 to 54 persons, number one with uh, ratings almost at a 15 share like 14.9 that's not or, normal uh, it's it's not a that's not a normal number there are a ton of people listening to us right now you fans are awesome and you're loyal and we owe the success to this show uh, of the show all to you that's
4: all you guys you come to us every afternoon we try to inform you and entertain you. We want to do a show. We don't want to do a lecture. We don't want to yell at you. I mean, every once in a while, we get fired up and we do those things. But we're a big family around here, man. Hammer and Nigel Show Nation. And the fact that you trust us to inform you and entertain you every afternoon, it means a great deal to us. Number one, in afternoon drive once again. And it's not even close. I don't want to mention the second place number but it's not even close to what we're doing be close in the money demos so god bless you guys thank you so much for listening to this show and matt when we talk about the success we have on this show with the amazing number one ratings that we have understand you are a big part of that as well my friend when you are not here with us when you're on vacation when you're doing matt bear things which i believe are illegal in most states <laughs> um this show is not the same without you so thank you And Harrison, our news anchor, and uh, TK Dub, who was our old producer, and now we're kind of going through a little bit of a transition. We've got Kylan, we've got James, we've got Sam. Uh, Thanks to everybody making this show what it is. It's The Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC, and we've
3: got another hour of the Hammer and Nigel Show coming up, including this story about a friend of ours uh, who uh, is a radio personality and a well-known comedian. And uh, there was a shooting over the weekend. It seems like an attempt was made on his life, and it is very scary. He's okay. We'll tell you more about that after six o'clock. Uh, got This is making its way around the internet. I don't. I don't know if I buy this or not. This is stupid, and if you do this, I think you're even dumber. Than- <laughs> uh, here's somebody's weird way to save on gas.
4: Okay. Drive
3: around with a half full bowl of water in your car. It makes you slow down and not accelerate too fast. Flooring it when the light turns green can lower your gas mileage by up to 40%, but you got a bowl of water sitting on your floorboard. You're going to do your damnedest not to make it spill over by by slamming down the gas pedal.
4: So it's kind of like that old movie, License to Drive, with Corey Haim. You remember that? Like the driver's test that oh, they had to yeah. do was the instructor put like a hot cup of coffee yeah. on the dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had to That's be great. very careful. <laughs> That's all this is. It's License to Drive with Corey Haim. Was that a young Heather Graham in yes, that movie as well?
3: Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, yes. The Coreys. The-
4: Kids today don't know what it was like oh. back in the day. They don't know anything about the Coreys. <laughs> all right. Do not go anywhere uh we've got another hour to go and again crazy story involving a radio personality a friend of ours that is coming up next this is the hammer and nigel show